Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, everybody. We are here to talk some fantasy football post-NFL draft. I am your host, Kate, and you can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle. You can follow me at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. And I'm Jake, and you can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Everybody, be sure to check out BallBlastFootball.com. We have lots of exciting content, post-draft analysis, rookie profiles. We've got it all. Also have some really exclusive Patreon content, so check that out. Support our show and all of the other work that we're doing at BallBlastFootball including the launch of a new podcast. Woohoo! If you guys haven't heard, uh, we just launched the Ball Blast Dynasty Playbook. Uh, first episode dropped Wednesday, May 5th. That's Cinco de Mayo. What a way to celebrate uh, with a, a new Dynasty football podcast. So they check did that awesome out. Too. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'll give them a listen. Victoria killed it as a host. John and Jake were just awesome as well. We have two Jakes now. So there's a different Jake on the other podcast. You're not the only Jake. Oh, snap. We're going to have to rap battle to determine who's Jake number one. (laughs) I think you will have to rap battle, and we're going to have to get that on uh, YouTube, I think. Uh, (laughs) Probably. Uh, Everybody, just check out the site. Check out their podcast. It's available on Spotify right now, but it is coming soon to all of your preferred platforms. You can follow the show uh, on Twitter, at BallBlastFB. Hit that five-star review mark and tell people to listen to us unless they're your league mates because that would be silly. Guys, we survived draft week. We did. And it Congratulations. Was a wild Phew. weekend. Uh, did you watch every single second of the draft like Kate and I had to? Because it was brutal. Can I tell you something wild? Yeah. I didn't watch like most of the first two days. Because I was too nervous. So I opted out of watching it and I tried to distract myself as much as possible uh, from the inevitable. Um, But yeah, it it was still exciting to see all of the alerts come up on my phone because I tried to distract myself. But you can't. You can't run away from it. Um, But it was pretty great. And then I sunk into myself on Saturday and watched almost every minute of the day three part of the draft. Which isn't the most exciting part by any means, um, but it was it was something. Well, I mean, this just sort of leads us into the talk of the town. Obviously, we are going to uh, just pepper in little red pepper flakes of, of rookie information, the effect of these rookies on veterans. But, I mean, the talk of the town, it, it affects you pretty deeply, Jake. It uh, Some news popped on draft day, and I think we got to talk about it. Will Aaron Rodgers be traded? Dun, dun, dun. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. The talk of the town. You're the talk of the town. Talk of the town. I think the main question is, 
even if he's not traded, is he ever going to play another snap for the Green Bay Packers? Why would he when he could host Jeopardy? A, I want to know your thoughts on the draft for the Packers. And if you think Aaron Rodgers should be upset. And then we'll get into if we think he'll actually play for another snap. Well, I will say this is the draft that I hoped for last year as a Packers fan. I actually think they did a pretty solid job. I I don't know if it was spectacular, but they addressed some really big needs. Cornerback was a huge issue for them. They did help shore up their offensive line. They went through some changes there uh, since last season. And they finally took a wide receiver. Amari Rodgers in the third round. No, we didn't get one of those premier top receivers that I was secretly hoping for. But that's pretty solid. I mean, he's some guy who can go in and work right away. You know, he can be utilized pretty well, I think, in that offense. So when all was said and done, I was pretty happy. We didn't draft four fullbacks like like, uh, I thought they might have. Um, (laughs) But in terms of, I mean, this is why I didn't watch the draft, though, is because what's happening with Aaron Rodgers? Like, I I didn't want to have to see it pop up on the screen that he was getting traded to the 49ers, the Denver Broncos, the Raiders, whoever. I didn't want to see that happen. And I'm just, I'm still holding my breath on it. Out of curiosity, were you watching when the Adam Schefter news broke that Aaron Rodgers was like, nuh-uh, no, no. Like, he held his breath in the candy store and he passed out, but sometimes, like, he he's just, he's <laughs> determined to still hold his breath. And you know what? That's fine, because Jeopardy has an oxygen tank that's just, they're ready to <laughs> I think supply I'm, him. I'm honestly confused on both sides because mm-hmm. like Green Bay has gone to the NFC Championship two years in a row. And it's like if Tom Brady didn't happen to finally finally leave the Patriots after 20 seasons, like you probably make the Super Bowl. They've built a pretty good team around him. Like it's a pretty solid squad besides giving him a second wide receiver. But let's be honest, a lot of quarterbacks don't have even a Devontae Adams. They might have two wide receivers, but they don't have a Devontae Adams. So I am a tad bit confused because he does also have Aaron Jones and he made Robert Tanyan a thing. They had a good enough defense. Yes, Tom Brady and the Bucks' insane defense at the end of the year. They got the best of them. But I guess I don't really get what Aaron Rodgers is so upset about there. I know there's like probably a ton of stuff that's just been piling up. Let's go through the the playoff teams. One other thing I wanted to say on the other side, like I don't get it either way. If the Packers, like you traded up for Jordan Love, and I'm sure that's what makes Rodgers the most upset, but your plan was to move on from Aaron Rodgers if you're trading up for a quarterback last year. So now that Rodgers wants to go, you kind of have your out here. Like trade him, get a ton of picks, and move on to the quarterback you wanted anyways. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand the issue. No, I, I think it's about the, like, respect and disrespect that he's felt <laughs> as a result of the situation. I think it's definitely more that than it is the receivers. But, I mean, to take what the Packers did and, like, it's not even like you st- you stood pat at the number 30 pick last season. You did trade up, just not for a receiver. But you did trade up for a quarterback, and that just sucks. Let's look at teams who actually do have 
like a, a number two wide receiver among the teams that made the playoffs last year. But Buffalo, I do think like you would consider John Brown and Cole Beasley both higher quality caliber receivers. But if we than... go through this a little bit quicker instead of hanging on this, it's I'm just saying Pitt, Pitt has the three wide receivers. Baltimore does not. They don't even have close to an Adams and they definitely don't have a second. Cleveland, they were out with OBJ. They just had Landry. No one else is even close to what Green Bay had. Tennessee, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, if you want to count him. And then you have Kansas City. I guess we'll count Travis Kelsey Kelsey. as a second wide receiver. (laughs) Washington, though, is really just Terry McLaurin and no one else. Um, And then you're looking at the Saints. Michael Thomas, who barely even played last year, and no one else. Seattle and Rams both have multiple wide receivers. So it's kind of like 50-50. So I, I think here it really can't just be on that second wide receiver, right? But none of these other teams went and drafted a quarterback, like traded up for a quarterback in the first round. I mean, when the the uh, Philadelphia Eagles just took Jalen Hurts in the second round, everybody was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember when Tom Brady, remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted to the Patriots? Probably, like it couldn't have been that much younger than Aaron Rodgers is right now because Tom Brady is insanely old and still killing it. <laughs> but whatever Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted in the second round by the Patriots, let's say Tom Brady was even 36. I bet you he was probably older than that. Tom Brady, you know what he did? He was like, F you guys. I'm just going to keep killing it, and I'm going to keep winning Super Bowls, or I'm going to just keep having these insane seasons. Like, you're not going to be able to replace me. And he didn't really give a crap that they brought Jordan Love. And he also didn't have the best weapons often, but the team around him was more important so I guess I just don't understand both sides again. I'm not putting this on Aaron Rodgers. I'm not putting on the Packers. It's just like maybe it's just time to split. You're not you're not right together. There is one fine point that I just want to put on this real briefly here is speaking about the wide receivers. One story and tidbit that came out recently was he was really upset when they cut Jake Kumaro the day after he praised him for his recent performance. It's a small thing. And Jake Kumaro, of course, is not a world-beating wide receiver. However, to his point, like, he just came out and praised this guy. He's been desperately needing other receivers, he thinks. And then they cut the one guy that he praises. That just goes back to the point, if they won't keep him for, like, $20, (laughs) they're not going to give him input elsewhere in more significant moves. And I think that's the the big issue there. But what if they needed to cut him over someone else that would have been more important to special team? Like, they may have needed somebody in that game. Like, I'm sure they weren't just like, oh, Kumaro, you have to go because Rodgers said, like... I kind of feel like that was it, though, because Kumaro wasn't costing them any any money if you wanted to make it's not about the money it's about cutting him or someone else and you may have needed that other guy if you wanted to make if you wanted to make him work you could have made him work because you rotated just an absolute crap shoot of wide receivers and you kept them all on your roster last year and none of them i'm not trying to blame aaron Rodgers here like i think he's a special talent i think he deserves to be able to choose where he wants to go at this point in his career he's been with the packers for 16 years he was the mvp last year like if he feels like he's not being treated fairly or respected or whatever that word I should be saying right yeah, now. It is. doesn't even matter what we think. Yeah, it matters it, what he that's think. what he thinks. And it's like just let him go. Like you and if they didn't move up to draft a quarterback last year, then maybe I'd be like, okay, that kind of sucks for them. But you already have a backup plan. You you put yourself in this position. You're saying we have someone else. Like this is your guy that you wanted. So let Aaron Rodgers go 
and use your guy, Jordan Love. And maybe at this point they realize, oh, shoot, Jordan Love sucks. And maybe that's why they won't trade him. <laughs> we don't know. Or he could be great. I have no idea. But let's talk about a, a team where he would be awesome for fantasy. And I think we probably all have the same one because it's pretty obvious. But so, Jake, I'll let you go first because this is your man, Aaron Rodgers. If you had to watch mm-hmm. him play somewhere else, where would you want it to be? Oh, that's an icky way to phrase that. I don't want to watch him play anywhere else. I only want to watch him play for my Green Bay Packers or go to Jeopardy. Straight up. If he doesn't play for the Packers, I want him to go Jeopardy because I loved him on Jeopardy. Uh, But if we're we're just talking from a fantasy perspective, though, and where could he go and be utilized? And I, I have him on rosters, certainly, that I would like to go see him thrive, I guess. And it, yeah, it's pretty obvious, but it's one of the names that popped up on his wish list when he put that out. It's the 49ers. Now, I was holding my breath when the Niners drafted, actually, because I was worried they were going to start the trade process then and there. Then they went ahead, they took Trey Lance. I don't think that takes them out of contention for a future trade. And I do think it's one of the best set up teams for him to go win a championship. So if that's his perspective and he wants to get closer to home, he's a California guy, then he slots right in. I mean, those weapons that are there and the team as a whole is very good already. So putting him on that team makes them immediate, you know, Super Bowl contenders. We were totally in different wavelengths there. Like I was like so ready for you to say the same team just because I, what are the 49ers going to give to the Packers? They traded away all their future first. So are they going to really trade Aaron Rodgers away? I guess they could trade Trey Lance. Like that could Mm -hmm. be an option, but uh, I, I do know 49ers was on his wish list. I do think after the draft, that's probably gone now, but another team that was on his wish list were the Broncos. And that just seems like, Another team where he joins and no, with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, they aren't actual serious contenders, but they have a really nice roster and you add Aaron Rodgers to that and they're instant contenders. Now they would have to beat out Patrick Mahomes in that division, but I do think Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback who could do that or at least, you know, get in as a wild card. I, I mean, with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant and Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, like he would have all of the weapons that he's wanted. Okay, I have like a fun uh, third name, fun third name. Like this is literally never going to happen, but just imagine, because this doesn't solve any problems at all. <laughs> he still has no wide receivers, but imagine him with the New England Patriots and you come in, it's it's out of your conference. You send him over to the Patriots with Bill Belichick. I'm sure they could be like grumpy old men together and wear their like he could wear his hoodie and and Aaron Rodgers could wear his derby outfit and they could just be like, you know, two peas in a pod. It doesn't it doesn't help your your wide receiver situation, but they did get two capable pass catching tight ends. They've got a loaded defense. They did really well in free agency. If they if they just made a move, uh, maybe moved Mac Jones for Aaron Rodgers and a Hall. Eh? Ugh, ugh, ugh. I hate it. I hate the idea of him going to the Patriots as an Aaron Rodgers and Packers fan. I would say if he went there for some reason, though, wheels all the way up on Nelson Aguilar. I I would love it for that guy. He's like the only semi-capable wide receiver on the team right now. So that would be something. Yeah, maybe Nikhil Harry would finally become something. 
and really quick because we need to move on to our main segment here. But I know that – so we talked about two of the teams on Rogers' list, the Broncos and the 49ers. The third team was the Raiders, and this one makes zero sense to me. A, okay, yeah, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, like maybe they can be good, but right now, I mean, they're nothing, and they're definitely not even close to Adams. And then – so and Let's look at their drafting. Darren Waller would be your top – uh, pass catcher, which is fine, but he's a tight end. They gave away, they traded away their entire offensive line that was very good, but now what the hell is it going to be? They traded away three massive pieces, and then he has to play with a terrible, terrible defense. It's never going to help him win games in Patrick Mahomes' division again, but instead of with the Broncos with a stacked roster, he's playing with one of the worst teams in the league. And then with John Gruden, I cannot picture in a million years John Gruden and Aaron Rodgers together. They would One of them would die within the month. <laughs> one of them would murder mm-hmm. each other. Like There is 0% chance that works out. I don't even know how he the Raiders could possibly be on this list. That makes no sense to me. And I think if Aaron Rodgers went there, he would end up on Jeopardy before the season even started. Like, I don't think he would play a snap for the Raiders. I really don't. I think it would kind of be like an Antonio Brown situation where he's like, yeah, Raider Nation. And yeah. then no. uh, he he sits down with John Gruden for their first meeting. And John Gruden's like, hey, what would you think about you know my move to trade all of my offensive line away? And he'd be like, knock on wood if you're with me. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers would be like, what is terminate my contract? Like, that is 100% how that situation... I would love to just see them at a boxing ring together, actually. If that happened, like, they would have to be on hard knocks. And I know it wouldn't happen because they were just on it, but, oh, man, that situation would be hilarious. (laughs) That would be some great, great comedy. Oh, my God, that would be amazing television. Please, oh, please, let that happen. Let's move on. That's enough of Aaron Rodgers' talk. For our main segment today, let's just go through the draft a little bit. And some players that were selected to teams that maybe we didn't think would happen or maybe we weren't hoping would happen because we didn't want them to ruin the value of the veterans that we love oh so much or some veterans that just like totally survived the draft. That was also wild because we were not expecting that to happen at all. So let's just have a conversation around that. And the first topic I want to bring up Travis Etienne to the Jaguars in the first round, 25th overall pick. I don't, I I think we all could see it possibly coming just because of the connection he has with uh, Trevor Lawrence, but it was like, no, they're not going to actually do that, right? Like James Robinson was good last year. He was a running back seven in 2020. Obviously they don't look at fantasy, but he did. I think he was fourth or fifth in the league in rushing yards and he missed two games. So like he, he was pretty solid. What do we take of this backfield now? Like, Jake, if you have to decide between Etienne or James Robinson, what are you looking at here? What the hell do you do with James Robinson? I'm always going to side with draft capital in these types of arguments. And if you're talking about a first rounder under a new regime versus an undrafted guy from a previous regime, that pretty much crystallizes it for me. I'm not saying that James Robinson's going to go away altogether. He'll be utilized. Um, there will be some splits between him and Carlos Hyde. He's not going to um, die who is, or anything. He's, he's still there. Um, Carlos Hyde is as well. Yeah, so those two get, uh, you know, your, your early down work and they're splitting goal line carries and that's the hope. But Etienne, he's their guy. So you have to project him and don't project him as just a third down scat back. I don't care what kind of reports are coming coming out from now until the start of the season either. 
Uh, it's going to be a lot more than that. I get it, but I still don't get it. I think also a big thing to realize here with the new coach and GM, it's like, yeah, they want to get their guys, but this is also their first draft. And like Urban Meyer, this is his first time in the NFL. It's like, you better not mess this up. And uh, Trent Balk, like this is his first NFL draft. You can't mess up your first round pick. And like Trevor Lawrence doesn't count, right? Like everyone, every single team would have taken Trevor Lawrence at the 101. Like, that's not being smart. That's not doing any research. Like, that that was an obvious pick. So, like, this next one was your first pick, and you can't mess it up. So you're going to have to, like, give him opportunity. Like, you're going to want him to succeed more than anything. Just a couple years ago, we were going through the same thing in the offseason, not with a first-round running back on the team, but with Philip Lindsay. It was like, is he going to keep it up? He had a great rookie season, undrafted. We were all excited. And then it's just like, they just they have no draft capital. They have no money. They have no reason like for other coaches to stick with them. If the one coach leaves or just even if the same coach is there, like there's no reason to stick with them. So I am very much worried about James Robinson and so much of James Robinson's value came from getting a huge workload. Like it came in the games. He was getting 20 plus carries besides that. It wasn't really there at all. It's not like he had insane efficiency. And then it came from like short targets. And if you're saying those targets are now going to ETN or the other pass catchers they brought in, like, I don't, I, I, Robinson's not someone that I feel like has very good value anymore whatsoever, but let's, let's do this now. Let's go through a a few guys. You're going to be sitting in in 2021 redraft. Who would you prefer? So this is just for the 2021 season. Okay. Wait a minute. So in the show sheet, it Mm -hmm. says who will have a better fantasy season, not who would you draft first? Okay, that's what I mean. Who will or have... who would you prefer to draft? Because some of these guys have different. Uh, I don't think I I like said that very well. Um, it, the show sheet says who will have a better fantasy, fantasy season, season, not yeah. who would you draft. And I do think we have to account a little bit for some of the price tag. Okay, I do think a lot of these will have similar values. Besides maybe this first one, who will have a better fantasy season? Sorry, that's the question. Twenty twenty one. Let's just start off right off the bat. James Robinson or Travis Etienne in this rookie season? Etienne. Etienne for me. In a full PPR, especially, maybe in a standard league, I think they're a lot closer. Yeah. I think James Robinson is going to get his share of touchdowns, but... Etienne I mean, is electric. Like, electric. I don't even think he's that good of a rusher, but he is electric. Like, he can bring any touch to the house. The issue is when you get him into an open field, he's gone. Yeah. Goodbye. See you later. Next one. James Robinson or Ronald Jones? They're both splitting backfields. Uh, yeah, Leonard Fournette, is, of course, still is with Tampa Bay, which I was hoping he would move on. Um, and Gio Bernard the now. And then they bring in Gio Bernard as the pass catcher. Yeah. So, obviously, we didn't expect Ronald Jones to be catching balls, regardless <laughs> whether there was a true pass catcher there or not. But I think I would still give the slight edge to James Robinson there. Um, I would project him just based on goal line carries. I think you're a little bit more likely to get touchdowns. I would as well. I think that Ronald Jones uh, just has a little bit more competition. I mean, like from literally every standpoint on the field, they have a better offense. The Bucks have a better offense. They have more options to go through. Um, James Robinson, I do think he's going to be bound for some some sort of workload. Ronald Jones, I don't trust it. Like, if you ask me, is he uh, even, like, outside of that signing of Gio Bernard, 
is Ronald Jones going to catch more balls? No, he's just going to drop more. Like, like I, he's I, not going to do anything more with it, more touches. So. I'm the Ronald Jones hater, and I would go with Ronald Jones here. Um, I'm actually the opposite of you guys where you're saying he's on a better team. Like, that's what I like. The Jacksonville Jaguars still have a really, really bad defense, and they're going to have to throw a lot. He's not going to be on the field when they throw That's ETN's Exactly. Uh, That's what well, I'm saying. Yeah. That's why I want Ronald Jones. The Tampa Bay Bucks brought back everyone. Their defense is going to be great again. They're going to be running the ball. And I, I do think, like, we saw – they leaned on Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams. Leonard Fournette Whoa. last year at the end of the year. <laughs> and I, I do think Ronald Jones is the better overall rusher than Fournette is. Uh, so I'll go with Ronald Jones, but I probably would obviously have neither since I'm not a big fan of Ronald Jones. So, uh, <laughs> James Robinson or David Johnson. David Johnson last year was a running back 21, but he missed four games. He averaged this 15 points per game. This is a pretty clear. Yeah, for me, this is a pretty clear David Johnson. Yeah. I still like his opportunity. Now, there, I do sometimes forget that they truly brought in additional uh, players into the backfield. But I'm still projecting him to have the bulk of that uh, of that load, and he should get a, a good handful of targets. I mean, there's really not a lot of options there in terms of pass catchers. He's a very capable pass catcher himself, so I would take him. All right, awesome. And then one more for UK. I'll ask James Robinson or Cream Hunt. Now this seems like it should be Cream Hunt, right? Running back ten in 2020. But we have to remember he got so much time last year without Nick Chubb. So Kareem Hunt is going to have that secondary role with Nick Chubb. James Robinson will have, I, I don't know what kind of role with ETN, but they're both splitting the backfield. Which one would you prefer? Um, I'm actually going to go Kareem Hunt here. I think they both have equal upside in terms of their abilities as receivers. I think they both have equal upside in terms of uh, just their abilities on the goal line. Kareem Hunt's very capable there. Um, I, I think, Cleveland, uh, though they have a better offense overall, I don't necessarily think they have weapons that are of better quality than Kareem Hunt. Like James Robinson, I think, is a a higher quality running back than Ronald Jones. That's just what I think. Leave me alone. Um, I don't and think like you're giving Ronald Jones the credit then. No, I I think Ronald Jones is a solid rusher, but I'm saying like. When you're looking at the weapons in Tampa Bay, the quality of those weapons are all better than Ronald If Jones. someone's listening to this podcast, they're definitely going to think you talking's Michelle and I'm Kate. Because like, I'm somehow sticking up for Ronald Jones, which I thought would never happen. Now, moving on. That's enough James Robinson talk. But Let's... you never uh, answer Kareem Hunt or James Robinson. Mm, I'd go Kareem Hunt. I, I had Cream Hunt ranked in the top 20 last year uh, before the season, and it worked out a lot because Nick Chubb got hurt. But I still, again, he's the best handcuff you can own, A, and he's still very usable uh, when Chubb is playing. Next question. Next issue, I should say. Jamar Chase, he actually ended up going to the Bengals with the fifth overall pick. We were all kind of hoping it would be Penny Sewell just to keep our T. Higgins, like, top 10 wide receiver hopes alive, but they went with Joe Burrow's boy, Jamar Chase. Now, what does this do for T Higgins? Do you think this hurts both Chase and Higgins or just Higgins or just Chase? Like, I want to know your thoughts, Jake. 
I, I think it would be hard to spin this to say that everybody comes out unscathed by it. Um, yes, this is an offense that runs a lot more three wide receiver sets than the norm in the NFL. But yeah, I would much rather have Alden Tate be the third guy so that they could secure the targets for Higgins and to some extent to Tyler Boyd. I think, yeah, it hurts both a little bit. They cut into each other. I still do think this could be one of those offenses that has three wide receivers, you know, finishing in the top 30 when all is said and done because I do believe in Joe Burrow. I'm, I'm bummed about the offensive line still, um, but I think that it could be a dynamic offense enough to support all three. Yeah, and Joe Burrow, before he got hurt, he was on pace for 646 passing attempts. And if I, I don't know if they did enough this offseason or in the draft to really fix their defense all that much. So he should still be around that 600 passing attempts this year. And they lost a couple of defensive pieces in yeah. free agency as well. They did. I just don't think it really does anything to like displace anything on the team. So I like I was looking at just where the receivers last season lined up. T. Higgins, 6'4, 215 pounds. A quarter of the time he did line up out of the slot. A quarter of the time he lined up on the left and a third from the right. Tyler Boyd, 6'2", 185 pounds, played 80% of his offensive snaps out of the slot. Jamar Chase, he played more snaps on the right out wide, but he kind of split them pretty close to evenly. Chase is going to be on the outside, T is going to be outside, and Boyd is going to be in the slot. And outside of that, I mean, the Bengals literally rank fifth in percentage of targets that go to the wide receiver position, bottom five in targets that go to the tight end. I don't think it really needs to hurt anybody. And, and we've seen two wide receivers be very good for fantasy in the same offense. I saw a great tweet. I can't remember who it's from. No, I'm sorry. But it was like, we really believe that Kirk Cousins can like make two top 12 fantasy wide receivers, but Joe Burrow can't. Like, and especially in that offense in Minnesota where they just don't pass all that often. So if you're looking at a Bengals offense who does pass very often, then yes, I do believe that both Chase and Higgins can be good for fantasy. It's just, I don't know if they're ever going to hit that ceiling, right? Maybe Chase can. Well, we'll see what happens because I think Higgins is super, super talented as well. But like, I did think like T Higgins ceiling could honestly be like tight end three or wide receiver three next year. Obviously, with Chase, there, that doesn't happen. And I don't think Chase has that ceiling either in the first couple of years with T. Higgins. Now, does any of this hurt Joe Burrow? Or does that help him? Like, what are your thoughts? Because if more targets are going to Higgins and to Chase and to Boyd, like, is there enough to go to Mixon? Or does this just help him have more space to run? So does this hurt Joe Mixon overall? Or does this help Joe Mixon? I think... Look, if the offensive is going to be better overall, then it's going to help Joe Mixon overall just because he's going to get more opportunities. It's kind of what you were talking about a little bit with Ronald Jones there. If the offense is humming, then that's that's good for Joe Mixon. It's, I mean, it's still a little bit of a suspect O-line that he has to deal with, but he's, I mean, he's dealt with it forever, so he should at least be accustomed to it at this point. Uh, but I don't think Chase himself really downgrades Mixon too much. I agree. And our cat really wants to get in this podcast. He is like right up on the mic. Uh, I'm sure you've heard him meow a couple times now, but it's okay. He's cute. So 
One the- other thing that I wanted to say. So I looked back uh, at the target distribution among uh, the wide receivers and just in general uh, in the 11 weeks that Burrow was active last season. Um, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and A.J. Green actually split targets so evenly in that time. I'm really impressed by that. He did not force feed anybody. Tyler Boyd, uh, 86 targets in that span. T. Higgins, 70. A.J. Green, 75. And that's all in 11 games, so that would have been really nice for all of them on a full season slate. And I I do think A.J. Green's the best – Thing for us right now, like an example to have where T. Higgins and Chase can both succeed because AJ Green did have over 100 targets last year. Like we just said, 75 targets with Joe Burrow in those 11 games. It's just he only caught 46.7% of his catches. We have to hope that Chase out there is better than Green or Higgins out there is better than Green. And I think that they will be because, you know, AJ Green's just done. Now let's decide between certain players because I do think. All of these players could be going around the same range in fantasy, maybe one of them a little bit later. But who will have the better fantasy season in 2021? Let's start off again. Higgins versus Chase in his rookie year. This is so hard because there's two narratives that you could apply here if you wanted to go that route. One is Higgins is more accustomed to the offense. And then the other is, well, Chase is Burrow's guy. So he could hyper-target him because uh, of their previous association. I am going to lean on the side of that. Um, Joe Burrow, of course, had a shortened season last year. Higgins will still be very good, and and that's great that he got some work in with the offense. I do truly think it could come down to, well, Burrow's just going to start shifting those targets a little bit more Chase's way. Maybe not overtly, but he could get uh, more by default almost. Here I'm actually taking T. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll a T, just as the more experienced uh, receiver in this specific offense, and the bigger receiver. Um, I I just think that's sort of a nice leg up when you're looking at one A and one B. And I'm not saying talent wise they are, but I'm saying T with a year under his belt versus Chase. It is still his first season in the NFL. I'm sure I'll be walking this take back, but T. Higgins is really talented. So it's not like you're saying like, oh, this garbage receiver has one year experience versus Jamar Chase, who it's his rookie year. No, you're talking about two really talented guys. I'll take the bigger one with more experience. Yeah, I'm going with T. Higgins here as well. I think both can be really great um, in the future, but Chase is coming off a year where he opted out in 2020. He hasn't played football for a whole year. That could take a second to come back. And also, even when he played at LSU with Joe Burrow, he wasn't like a hyper-targeted guy. It's just every catch that he was catching was 18 yards on the field. Like, he got so many deep (laughs) passes. So, like, that's what it could be in this offense. Like, use him in that way. Like, keep it that connection where he's just killing teams. But then T. Higgins can get more of those targets, more of the red zone looks, hopefully with that height and build. I, I just love T. Higgins. He looks like a tight end. He looks like Kyle Pitts out there to me in a wide receiver role, which everyone loves Kyle Pitts. So uh, I I like T. Higgins here to be a little bit better um, in 2021, but I do think it could be close. I do think that watching T. Higgins, do you know how many times I mistook him for a tight end? I know, me too. Last season? Holy crap. He's huge. <laughs> well, let's compare him to someone else who's not very huge. Higgins or Tyler Lockett? Which one would you prefer? 2021. I would be on Higgins' side here. Yeah, Lockett, I do get tired after a certain point of 
betting against Lockett, like in terms of regression, because I for every year it feels like for the last five years, I've been like, well, Lockett's bound to regress finally. He has to. Like his efficiency can't remain as crazy high as it is, but it does. But I, I But it's still tough for me to bet on in that offense because I don't know how much they're going to shift towards passing. Like are they really going to try and satiate Russell Wilson and his appetite to pass, or are they just going to keep doing the same old Seahawks thing? And, you know, we'll we'll do that a couple of games, but then the rest of the season we're going to be run first. So I would rather take the guy in the more dynamic offense, dynamic passing offense, which is Higgins. Can I make a comment? We have now heard the word oh, satiate twice from your mouth. I feel like Did it's you guys like... have that on your bingo cards? <laughs> I did. Um, I actually got all four corners. Uh, so take a drink on me, everybody. Cinco de Mayo. Arriba. Word of the day, toilet paper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Give us some more, Michelle. I, I agree. I think I would take T. Higgins. Yeah. It just feels like he could have that higher ceiling. Tyler Lockett is steady as a drum. Like a No, a I think that's boy. the opposite of why I don't want him. So I think he's the least thing from steady. Maybe steady year from year. But from week to week, he is a roller coaster. It's like one week he's scoring 30 points. The next week he's scoring three points. Like, that's what he does. He's a boomer bust guy. And I'd rather just Higgins, who, honestly, even without Joe Burrow there, he was consistently getting targets. Eight targets, eight targets, six targets, nine targets, ten targets. Like, he is a target guy. And I'd re- I feel much better about that than Lockett just hoping that he makes something off of his three to five targets a game. Like, he has to break one deep. Uh, so I would go with Higgins there just for more consistency. Let's go with a different one. Uh, this one might hurt you, Jake. Brandon Cooks or T. Higgins. You're a dude. Brandon Cooks all alone in the Houston offense or T. Higgins. This is an impossible task. I don't know why you would put this on the on the it's paper. It's Sophie's uh, choice. I, <laughs> I, do, I mean, I love Brandon Cooks, obviously. Um, it's all I tweet about, it feels like, these days. But... Um, the thing about being the lone target, even in a bad offense, potentially, because we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. We don't know. There's so much uh, about that offense in Houston that we don't know about just yet. So it's tough to bank on that. I would very narrowly give this to Higgins because we know the situation. We know what he's walking into. We know what that ceiling could be. I love Brandon Cooks. I think he can do just about anything and just about any offense. But if it's Tyrod Taylor for half the season and then that new rookie quarterback pick for the other half, I'm going to go Higgins. Yeah, I'm going Higgins here too. I really only just put this here to hurt you. Uh, So I'm pretty sure Kate will go (laughs) Higgins as well. Right. Correct. All right. And then the last question I have here, it's Higgins or Claypool. They're both wide receivers going into the second season and they both have a crowded offense. Like you still have Juju, Deontay Johnson there, and now Najee Harris. Big Ben, Joe Burrow, I don't even know who you'd say is better at this point. Like, you might give it to Joe Burrow. Uh, And Jake might be like, yeah, duh. And maybe it hurts me a little bit more (laughs) to actually acknowledge. But, Jake, who are you going with here, Higgins or Chase Claypool? Yeah, this is Higgins for me. And it's nothing against Claypool. I do like him, and I think that he should gain a little bit more consistency this year in that Pittsburgh offense. But, as you just said, Juju's coming back. Um, Deontay Johnson, who you love, uh, is there and, and he should be the dominant target hog there. I think there's a little bit more up in the air in terms of who is truly 1A, 1B 
in Cincinnati. So that's why I'm going to give it to Higgins. <laughs> I don't know. This is a hard question. Claypool is the prospect that I liked better coming out of school. I think he's more athletic. I like his, his, he has size. He's got speed. Um, Higgins also has that. I don't, I want, I'm, I'm going to go with Higgins then just to decide for you. And it comes down to the defenses. I think the Steelers defense is better. And that means that the Bengals will have more garbage time and that Higgins will get hopefully more targets. And actually a big part of it does come down to Deontay Johnson. I just do think like he's a target hog way more than anyone else on the Bengals. Like we just listed the targets. It's not close to what Deontay Johnson sees 144 targets last year. And he missed basically five full games and he had 144 targets. Those, those those shorter targets go to Deontay Johnson. So you need Claypool. A lot like I brought up with Lockett, like Claypool is going to have those up and down games uh, where he'll break one loose and he's going to be great. Uh, but then at the same time, I'd rather just go with the guy who's getting eight targets a game. And I do think that's Higgins. So from these questions, it doesn't seem like we're down on Higgins after Jamar Chase was drafted there. Like we still think he's going to be a pretty good fantasy wide receiver. Which I think is interesting because when you're looking at just his overall height value. I don't really feel like it's been there at all for T. Higgins. I feel like there have been plenty of- I'm about to go just, trade for him. I think this would be the good, like a good time to do that. Too um, bad I can't because I have him in every league. All right, moving on. We were just talking about the Steelers wide receiver. Now let's talk about their new fabulous running back. The Steelers drafted Najee Harris in the first round. It's something that I really wasn't looking forward to, but we all knew it was going to happen. It has nothing to do with Najee Harris. I love him. I think he's going to be fantastic. It had everything to do with the, me wanting the Steelers to just take a different position, but that's fine. Najee Harris is here, and now we have to decide what to do with him in fantasy. How high are we setting these expectations so high. for year one? <laughs> I want to know, Jake, because Kate and I are biased Steelers fans, so maybe our heads are just mm -hmm. getting too excited. Where do you foresee him landing? Like, where do you see him ending in year one? And where would you feel comfortable taking him? Is it the first round, like late first? Is it second round? Or, or either of those two rounds scare you as well? I'm not going to be a guy who drafts Najee Harris in the first round of redraft. It, it just won't be me. I, I'm okay missing out on him if he does blow up, uh, as Kate is giving me the forehead L uh, over the screen right <laughs> now, that indicating like that I would be a loser. Uh, and, and that's fine. Truly, he's a guy that I'm just going to have to be okay missing out on if he blows up. My big concern right now, it's not volume. And it's not even their running game because last year I don't think was a proper indication of what the Steelers are are capable of doing. Yeah, it looked gross. It looked real grody in their backfield last year. I don't think that's just their team system. I think it was them not having the right person back there. They have them now in Harris, but the offensive line still worries me a little bit. I, I know that they tried to address it later on in the draft, and of course, bringing in uh, a nice tight end like they did as well, and Pat Fryermuth is good. But um, I, I would have rather they take an offensive line real early and real often in that draft, and then betting on whoever the running back was there as opposed to this way. So I'd I'd be comfortable with him though in the second round, um, just kind of depending on you know team draft structure and all that, and and if uh, who he's up against. Like if it's him. 
or if it's somebody like the top tier uh, Bengals receiver, I'm going to take him. Like, that's a, a no-brainer. Hot take. So I do want to say before we move over to Kate here with her opinion on where she would draft Harris, I know a lot of people are saying, well, Le'Veon Bell, like a lot of people are comparing Najee Harris to Le'Veon Bell, like their skill sets. I do think Najee Harris is more powerful um, and like probably more athletic, actually. And maybe Bell's a better pass catcher, even though Harris is a great pass catcher as well. So, but I, I do, I can see where they're comp to each other. And many will say, well, Le'Veon Bell played behind the best offensive line in the NFL and Najee Harris is going to be playing behind one of the worst, which is totally true. But if we go back to Le'Veon Bell's rookie season in 2013, like, I don't know. I can't remember this far back as a fan. Like, I don't know if it was offensive line's fault or if it was Le'Veon Bell struggling, but he only averaged 3.5 yards per carry. So like his efficiency was garbage. So you would think Harris, even behind a bad line, like he can hit 3.5. Like that would be really, really bad, right? Like if he doesn't hit 3.5, like he's a massive massive bust you would have to hope that's at least 4.0 there for Harris and Le'Veon Bell was a running back nine in 2013 in his rookie season with that terrible efficiency with playing missing three games now yes a lot of it had to do with his 66 targets but the Steelers have often used their running backs in the passing game before this last season maybe now that they have three good wide receivers that does go away a little bit but I'm just saying we I think it's okay to compare him to Le'Veon Bell's rookie season just for the fact that Bell struggled so hard. And he was still the running back nine. Yeah, I think, I I mean, I, I can't figure out if I'm a biased Steelers fan or if I'm just, like, not anal- – I, I feel like I am analyzing everything correctly because when we're looking at what James Conner did last season, I feel like everybody's like, Bleh. But when you look at the 10-game span before he had COVID, um, I mean, he had a couple of games where he didn't even hit 50% of offensive snaps, like by a a decent margin. He was still on pace for almost 1,300 yards uh, and eight touchdowns. That's fantastic. And I think everybody would say watching James Conner, that includes his uh, six attempts for nine yards against the Giants where he played 23% of offensive snaps. The offense, like the the efficiency is not bad there. I I genuinely don't think that um, we're giving James Conner enough credit because he caught COVID in December and then played like garbage. Yep. So then we're looking at here because Harris is probably by the time we get to our 2021 drafts, like I imagine he gets into that late first, early second round. We saw it with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but, you know, Kansas City Chiefs offense just gets people a little bit more excited. So I do think Harris will stay at that, like, corner the first second. So let's compare him to some other guys that might be going in the second round and who you prefer. So Najee Harris or, who I just brought up, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in his second season. Which one would you prefer in 2021? This This is tough, and this is probably the big dividing line, like, around other guys that you're going to, be able to get in that range I might go CEH here and it's just I think that people are really dogging him for last year because he didn't didn't live up to the hype fully but he was not bad I feel like people are misremembering his season a little bit too no his end of year finish was not amazing but um, people give him too much guff for the goal line carries and his inefficiency in that area. I think that's something that he can overcome. And I like, I mean, it would be crazy to say 
than I like the Chiefs offense more <laughs> than I like the, the Pittsburgh offense. Nothing against that, but yeah, I'm going to go with CEH barely here. And especially if you're factoring ADP, because I know that CEH will be after Najee and ADP. I think that's fair. Um, I'm actually going to save you some time, Michelle. I'm taking Najee over every single one of these running backs. All right. Najee Harris is a first round pick for me. Are we forgetting? Like we talk ourselves out of the narrative like every single year that the Pittsburgh Steelers don't utilize the workhorse running back. And guess what? Every year, Mike Tomlin comes back and says, yeah, I do. Like, what are you talking about? We talk ourselves out of it every single offseason. Yeah, like last year they didn't just not use a workhorse running back. They just didn't run. <laughs> like they were like, we, we just aren't going to run. And I just don't think they felt comfortable with anybody on their roster. And when James Conner was in the game, he was a workhorse running back. 16 carries, 18 carries, 15 carries, 20 carries, 20 carries, 15 carries. That that's literally And also the receptions, which got him over twenty in basically all those games. And he was very good in those games. So I, I do think Najee Harris is an upgrade to Connor. Uh it's it's close for me because I do think Clyde uh Edwards Alaire has a much better season in year two. I'm really big on him. They'd be super close and it's probably just the Steelers fandom in me. I'd go Harris. Harris or DeAndre Swift <laughs> for the line. I'll go Harris here. <laughs> I'll I'll g- <laughs> I don't think I'll say it with as much uh, attitude as Kate does there or as much as spitting into the microphone, but I will say um, that for me, it's Harris. I, I think that people are underselling what Jamal Williams will. He's going to get targets there, and that's really the big thing. Swift will get plenty of targets too, but also that offense is bad. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, oh, it's, it's, again, Sophie's Choice reference there, but it is a little um, awkward. I'd take Harris. All right, uh, I think this one's easier. Harris or J.K. Dobbins? Like, this has to be Harris, right? J.K. Dobbins still has Gus Edwards. They don't pass their running backs um, in the passing game in Baltimore, right? It has to be Harris. Easy? Yes. All right, now a couple harder ones. Najee Harris or Joe Mixon? Stop asking me stupid questions. (laughs) (laughs) I think Joe Mixon will get 300 touches next year. I think it, it happens. But do you not think that Najee does? He could get 250. I don't know about 300. That's a lot. I do think Joe Mixon gets 300 touches next year. So is it Najee Harris behind a bad line or Joe Mixon behind a bad line? Najee. God, God, <laughs> why do I have to answer these questions? I'll say, I will say Harris here by a nose. Uh, I think it would be funny, by the way, just to stoke the fire here, if that sixth round rookie running back that the Bengals took basically just took over Gio Bernard's <laughs> role and ended up getting a whole bunch of work. Uh, it's very unlikely to happen. But yeah, I'll still barely lean Najee. They also grabbed Puka Williams, uh, undrafted free agent, who's a pretty like electric player. Who knows if he'll even make the team, but... If he, uh, if he could pass block, he would be good in that situation. But he's pretty small, so that's a big question mark. You know, who didn't draft a running back or take one in uh, free agency uh, were, were the Bills. So we'll talk about that later. But uh, apparently the Bills have more trust in Moss than the Bengals have in Joe Mixon. That's, uh, that's fine. That's besides the point. Najee Harris or Nick Chubb? I'm going to go with the safety blanket here, which is Nick Chubb for me. It's just so hard to ever project that guy outside of the top, I don't know, eight running backs ever. And so I guess I will take 
the the sure thing, quote unquote, when I'm heading into my draft and I need to spend early capital on a running back, I'd rather have Chubb. Yeah, and I, Kate, I have a feeling you're going to say Harris. It would be really, really hard not to take Nick Chubb here. Yes, there's no Kareem Hunt in the Steelers offense. So Harris will get more of the workload, but at the same time, the Browns are a rushing team and the Steelers, I mean, last year, the last couple of years, like they don't, Ben doesn't like to run. So even though Kareem Hunt's stealing some attempts, like it could still be the same just because of the amount of attempts that the Browns offense has. And also Nick Chubb is just so efficient and so good. It's like Harris could be, we have no idea, but if you already know it out of Nick Chubb, and that offense should be scoring touchdowns. Like, I'm going to take Nick Chubb here. I won't be surprised if Harris has a similar year, but why risk that when Nick, you already know Nick Chubb's so good. I just find it really interesting, like, seeing the response to Harris being drafted in the first round. Because when I look at Harris among, like, all of these other running backs, I feel like we had a really nice string of running backs where it was like, rookie, Saquon Barkley, top three pick. Like, we've never seen him on a field, and he's an instant top three pick. And, uh, uh, gosh, give me some other names. Clyde Edwards, like, top five pick. We bit so hard. And Najee Harris, I don't get why we're not biting on that. Because if I, I, was, comparing, it's if I was comparing Najee Harris to Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming out of school, like, it's not even particularly close. It had to do with the offense. It, Clyde Edwards and Larry, it wasn't just because of him or the first round. It had to do that he was with the Chiefs. And with Barkley and with Zeke, like, they were top four picks in the NFL. A little bit different than 24th pick. I do think by the time we get to redraft season, Harris is going to be a first-round pick. But to Kate's point, like, if Harris came out last year, like we all expected, but he ended up staying for his senior year, he would have been ranked higher than any of these second running your running backs besides Jonathan Taylor. Like Jonathan Taylor was so good. But besides that, I would have ranked him ahead of all of these guys, even above Cam Akers, who everyone wants to put Ooh. in the top 12. All right, that was a very long conversation. Our last conversation of the day about the draft. We had three players really just Pull a Matrix here. I don't even know if that makes sense because I've never seen the Matrix movie, but <laughs> I'm like picturing him like going backwards, you know, and like missing stuff flying over him. Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, and Zach Moss, they all survived the draft. It's like every pick, you're like, ooh, is Miami or Atlanta or Buffalo finally going to take the running back? Like every single round. Even in the seventh round, I was sweating it out over Moss, like for no reason. And they just never did. Like, they just weren't taking a running back. I know Atlanta took that Jared Dokes guy in, like, the seventh, but please, he couldn't even beat out Michael Warren. And you guys don't – many of you listening are probably like, who the hell is Michael Warren? Exactly. Exactly. He was an undrafted free agent last year, uh, signed with the Eagles for a second. He couldn't even make it there. And Michael Warren played over uh, this Dokes guy uh, in Cincinnati. Dokes. So, no, I don't think he's going to take Mike Davis's job in Atlanta, or maybe not even make the team. But God, carry on. Now that I said that, he's going to be the next James Robinson. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I I put it out there. So anyways, these three guys make it out of the draft. I want to know your thoughts. If you're just ranking right here, Gaskin Davis Moss for the 2021 season. Jake, don't be worried about Kate and I staring at you in the eyes right now. It's fine. Give us your honest thoughts. Who do you want for just next season? Rank them. I just want everybody to be happy and be friends. Um, no, 
I think that, truthfully, I've said all offseason that I want the running back who ends up in Arthur Smith's Atlanta offense because I know what that offense is capable of. Yes, they have a lot of weapons, and so... You know, a lot of modes to feed uh, in the receiving gang, but that's going to make it so much easier for whatever running back ended up there as a, a workhorse, quote-unquote. And, and I think that that is truly what Mike Davis is basically walking into. There's really no reason, there's no one for them to bring in that's going to actually usurp him or turn him into a, a committee back all of a sudden. There's really no one I'm worried about. So I think it is Mike Davis for me at the top. Um but I would like to have some Miles Gaskin on my team now. Uh, there's, I mean, what competition does he have? And we saw how he could be effective in that offense last year. We also saw how every running back could be effective in that offense last year. So I don't know, maybe that's actually a knock against him secretly because they could just bring in, you know, Salvan Ahmed and, and he'll take away more touches, I guess. But I guess I don't see it. So that does leave the odd man out as Zach Moss. And it's not an indictment of his talent. It is strictly that offense. And do I trust them to let the running backs run the ball like they should? Or does Josh Allen come and he's going to snake 30% of the rushing opportunities away from them? I'm not worried about Devin Singletary. I'm only worried about Josh Allen. That's fair. Do you want to go or you want me to go? I'll take Miles Gaskin, Zach Moss, and then Mike Davis. Okay. I'm not trusting what we saw last season. I think Mike Davis came out so hot. And hit, the way he fizzled out made me concerned that, like, maybe – you know, it, when you see these change of pack or change of pace guys come in, they can be really efficient. And it's because they don't have all of those miles on the tires, but you saw him wear down by the end of the season. I mean, Miles Gaskin, uh, 22 carries, 10, 16, 18, 18, 21, 14. That was a workhorse role. It's and, very funny how people can use stats in different ways because I'm about to like destroy Miles Gaskin off these same. Oh, his efficient his efficiency not great. He averaged four point one. Like, I put this carry. in here for me, and she's using no, it. I'm I'm, like, no, I'm I'm just saying they clearly found something that they liked. He had a, a four game absence, and then came back and still had twenty one carries and two receptions, and then came uh, missed another two games, and then came back and had. 14 carries, five receptions. It's not saying that I think Miles Gaskin is the most talented man. It's that he's going to touch the ball a lot, I think. And the fact that they didn't draft anybody and they didn't add anybody in free agency. Yes, they added Mike Davis, but I don't think we saw the... You mean Malcolm Brown? Yes, sorry. Um, I was looking at Mike Davis. But yes, they, they made that addition, but they still seem really committed to Miles Gaskin. I feel like they made a statement. Yes, they might be committed to Miles Gaskin. That's fine. But the thing is, I think we're all thinking about his season as something more magical than it was just because we expected nothing from him, right? It was like, oh, this is a guy we can plug into our lineups. This is awesome. I, like, we're all dying for running backs by the end of the year. We're all dying. So Miles Gaston just seemed like something better. He was getting like 10 points. We're like, yes, yes. But he was touching the ball so much, and he wasn't doing a whole lot. He only had more than 60 rushing yards 
uh, these four times. And the rest were 40 yards, 46, 40, 57, 47, Didn't exceed 100 20. rushing yards once. No. And he had 22 rushing attempts against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The worst defense and run defense in the entire NFL. And he had 66 yards. 22 rushing attempts for 66 yards. That is Wildly insane. Uh, another 21 attempts against Cincinnati. That's great. And he turned it into 90 yards. That's fine. But again, it was against Cincinnati. Like, can you do a little bit more than that with 21 attempts? And then 14 attempts. These are all his best games. We're against the Raiders. Another terrible defense. 87 yards. It's just like, it's just ma. And so much of his fantasy points were coming from those targets and just those, uh, those receptions because they're easy points in PPR. The thing is, there was no wide receivers there last year. They needed to use Miles Gaskin in that role because there was no one else to target. Devontae Parker was hurt. Now he's back. They brought in Will Fuller, who was only going to miss one game with suspension. They drafted Jalen Waddle with the sixth overall pick. They have Mike Isecki. I just... Uh, and then it's Tua, too. So I would have to go look to see the difference between targets with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. I actually don't know it. But that could also be a worry as well. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't think Miles Gaston's going to fall as far as we all want him to, where we feel comfortable, because they didn't draft anybody. And for that reason, what about, I'm out. So I got him at in a mock draft the other day, redraft, end of the fourth. How do you feel about that? Oh my God, that's so bad. I was thinking, like, I don't even know if I would want him in the ninth. Are you serious? You took Miles Gaskin in the fourth round? Yes. That makes me want to throw up. That's where he's going? <laughs> no, I'm so, so out. I thought I was being mean. I am the furthest of outs of life if he's going before the eighth I round. don't even want him in the... I would, I would take him in the ninth, tenth. Oh, my God. And even then, God. I would be I will take a... I will take a... Well, I, we have different definitions of workhorses, I think, clearly here. Because I would take him well above the ninth round. Just based on volume. You need running backs that are going to get volume. And I don't see anybody cutting into his... have to touch the ball, his. Michelle. You're not worried that well, the now, first so, year he got touches, he got hurt? Like, is that a thing, too? Because he's not a big guy. So I'm curious, because you didn't do your actual ranking for these three then. I'm curious. So would Zach Moss, would he be going significantly above ninth round in redraft for you? No, but the thing is, Zach Moss will be going in the ninth round. No one's taking Zach Moss in the fourth round. No one. Like, that. if Miles Gaskin is honestly going in fourth or fifth round, like, I am so out on him. And, yes, I would be much more in on Moss, who will be an eighth, ninth, tenth round pick. Like, I think at the earliest. And he's probably only going into eighth if I'm in the draft. Like, if I'm taking him. I, I will say. I want you to our, think twice. Our worries are the same. I am very impressed, though, that the Bills had a lot of picks there in day three. They just kept going, and they weren't taking a running back. Like, they said before the draft, we're happy with our running backs. We don't think they struggled because the running backs. Like, we need to fix our scheme. We need to fix our line. And if you go watch his tape, it's like there was defenders in his face the second he would touch it. So I do agree there, and they, they kind of showed up, and they didn't take anyone. No, Matt Breda, it's not a thing. He will be inactive week one, I promise you. Just like TJ Yeldon was inactive every single game that Zach Moss played. So will Matt Breda. I'm about to blow your but mind. That, Miles Gaskin is just a smaller David Montgomery. And people, like, 200 I'm, pounds. Yeah. I'm, he's I'm 200 cool. pounds. Yes, he's 20 pounds lighter. But guess what? They average the same yards per carry. They they have the same situation. Why are you drafting them where you are? Volume. Like, Did there you, are some times where you're not drafting running backs at this point. I Like, I don't know if you've done a redraft mock lately, but 
running backs in the fourth round are all gone. They are all gone. I've never seen any such Then tilt. I'm taking wide receivers and waiting for later running backs. Michelle's going to be sitting with Tariq Cohen and Zach Moss as her I'm starting running backs. I'm not saying like Zach Moss should be thought of uh, <laughs> even ahead of Miles Gaskin because like you said, like it all comes down to will they run the ball this year. Like last year they won it. I'm not worried about Devin Singletary whatsoever. Devin Singletary was getting pushed out of that offense at the end of last year. He really was. And then Zach Moss started that wild card game and he got hurt. So it sucks. Uh, it all comes down to Josh Allen. They do so many run pass options or run run options, I should say, where it's like the quarterback or the running back can run. And Josh Allen will not hand it off. He will not. He refuses. It's not in his mind that he's ever going to hand it off. It's just insane. But so I'll, I'll go with, I might go with Mike Davis here, honestly, in Atlanta, even though I am worried about his targets just because. Todd Gurley led the Falcons last year in targets, and he was at 35, and he does have to compete with. He did not lead the Falcons. He led the running, running backs. The Falcons yeah. running backs, and it was with 35 targets, so that kind of scares me. He has to compete with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage. So that's a little worrisome. So let's go here. Are we taking any of these guys, Gaskins, Mike Davis, or Zach Moss over James Robinson? I, I will probably take Mike Davis over James Robinson. <laughs> <That's a> lot, <laughs> that, that was a lot of silence by us. Um, yeah, I don't. Oh, this is a hard question. I'm the one that put it in here. Like I should have thought about it. I will probably take Zach Moss over James Robinson, but not the others. I think I would take Moss and Gaskin. So I, I know I said I liked Mike Davis a little bit more, but he does just scare me. I just don't know. Like we've seen Atlanta's starting lead backs like do nothing, basically. So it's great he's a starting back, but there's been plenty of times that that doesn't mean anything. So again, I'm going to go just Zach Moss over James Robinson, but it's super, super close, and I don't actually know if I can pull that trigger. Uh, now let's compare these three to James Conner. With Arizona, another guy who survived the draft. The Cardinals did not draft a running back, but there's Chase Edmonds still there. Would you take Davis or Gaskin or Moss over James Conner? I don't know that I could. And I, I, I do truly like Mike Davis. I can't say it enough. I'm going to keep saying it because I feel like I keep saying it and then kind of backing off, but I really do like Mike Davis. But I know that both James Conner and... Um, Chase Edmonds are going to get targets, I think, in their offenses. I am a little, little leery about how many targets that Davis is going to get. I think he is going to do better than Gurley did just because of the status of Gurley last year was such a weird, nebulous thing. Like, he was not really healthy. He's just kind of on the outs. But I don't know that for sure. So I guess give me Connor just based on the points per game situation. Yeah, I think I'd take Connor all of, over all of these guys as well. I just do think he'll get a decent amount of workload and, you know, in the Cardinals offense, that could be nice. And I think, like, tying it back into the quote-unquote injury-prone nature of James Conner, I think they are going to have Chase Edmonds involved enough where it might help James Conner out a bit. Like, take a few, a few hits off of him per game and you might actually elongate his longevity 
from my word of the day toilet paper. Everybody, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us for the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Talking some fantasy football. We talked the draft. Let us know what were your favorite picks. What were your not-so-favorite picks? Who are you worried about? Is Aaron Rodgers going to be beaming off into the sunset at some point? We have no idea. Let us know your thoughts. Check out BobbleSFootball.com. And please consider supporting us on Patreon. You help support this show and now the Ball Blast Dynasty Playbook, which you can check out wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, Kate. You can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle. You can follow me at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. And I'm Jake, and you can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Smash that five-star review, and please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. We will see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.